Hare Krishna. Thank you for being here. Um, very good. So we have until nine o'clock. With my apologies, that's a whole hour you have to sit there. Hello. 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 Uh, so we shall um, try to keep everybody stimulated by having some discussions. Is that all right? Okay. And I'll try and tell some stories, but I can't promise any jokes. So a reading from Chaitanya Charitamrita when the book arrives, please. Does anybody have a book called Chaitanya Charitamrita? We're reading from the Madhya Leela, second part, verses 87 to 93. It's a very interesting part. The whole book is interesting. No, they have it, I think. They Will someone have the book to read it up from here? But you can't always, you can't always guess that someone is actually... Who's in charge? In the old days, you know, the old, the old, old days, the early days, when the speaker was about to give class from a book, the book was actually there. <laughs> so how are you all? <laughs> Big thanks again to those devotees who um, came yesterday for the uh, uh, marathon festival, the book distribution festival. If you didn't go out on Sankatan during December, can you give them all a round of applause, please? Okay, very good. And if you did go out on Sankatan during December, can you give a round of applause to those who didn't? Because next year, they will. I don't, I mean, I don't need a book. I'm just sort of kind of keep, keeping up with tradition. In Scotland, I get a book. Huh? Okay. So if you can't find a book. So, but somebody wrote this, taking those words from a book. Who wrote this on the board? Where's the book? Where is it? It's there. She's pointing to the curtains or somewhere around there. Somebody's a multi-million pound temple, multi-million pound Haveli, no book. No, and besides, that's a new copy. They're getting it, they're getting it. Okay, so... Valmadjalila to... Well, it's Madhya Leela. Just bring Madhya Leela. Okay. Person who wrote the... the could you get the book, please? Because these men are not able to do it. We've got two men on the job now. That's the volume two one, but we don't have volume two. There is no volume two. It's chapter two. No, no, it's okay. Everybody sit down. Be happy. Okay. The Keystone Krishnas. Oh, wonderful. So, where are you from, sir? You're a guest to this temple, aren't you? No, sir. 
How often do you come? Okay. Right. Okay. Simple thing. When, uh, when I was a young man, they said this movement was going to take over the world. <laughs> Flood the world with Krishna consciousness. Okay. Samadhi Leader, Chapter 2. And this is text... We're going to do 87 to 93, but I, I'm going to uh, start with 87. So um, what we have here is uh, uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj, who is the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita. He's describing to the future readers why he wrote the book. Uh, he's gotten over his Mangalacharna, and he's getting into some deeper issues of why he actually wrote the book. Um, before you write a book, it's very important to know why you're writing it. It's also very important to know that the book will be published by someone and will be available. It's also important to know the mind of your reader because that's who you're trying to connect with. So he's trying to connect with most of the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. 95% of which happen to be Bengali speakers. So in these verses he's saying, look, I'm really old now, I, can't, I can hardly see. My hands are shaking as I'm writing this book, but still I write, and that is a miracle. The other thing he's saying is that this book has a lot of Sanskrit verses in it. Some people might find that controversial. Now for a devotee of Krishna, Sanskrit and Bengali are sort of a second language. I mean, when we go out on book distribution, we're handing out books that have got a heck of a lot of Sanskrit in them, and we think nothing of it. We're asking the great British public to really step up to the plate and read books that have got, you know, words that they can't read and hope that they won't be turned off. That's a big ask. So Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, unlike us, he was actually thinking of this. He was thinking, well, most of the readers of this book are going to be followers of Lord Chaitanya. Lord Chaitanya's followers are Bengali. Okay. We know now that the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are all over the planet in uh, 650 temples and in 90 different languages. Many years ago, I was... Uh, trying to get a, one of Srila Prabhupada's, two of Srila Prabhupada's books printed in, uh, one was in Swahili, the language of Eastern Africa, and the other one was in Amharic, which was the language of Ethiopia. And my mentality had to be, there are no followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, who speak, there's a few that speak, <laughs> maybe a handful, maybe 20 people who are followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that speak Swahili. And for them, this book will be very important because the book didn't exist. It was called the Sri Ishupanishad. Okay. And then the other book was called The, the Transcendental Teachings of Prahlad Maharaj. That was to be in the Ethiopian language, of which there was only two people who were followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Just the other week there, they just had the first ever Harinam in Addis Ababa. Hooray! So it has begun. And you think the revolution is 50 years old because we, 
installed Radha Londoneshwara 50 years ago. The revolution's only just beginning, folks. It just happens to be spreading away from England. With an English-centric view of the world, you could think, well, uh, the Hare Krishna movement is everywhere. But do you know what the rate of progress of the Hare Krishna movement is in Cambodia? Anybody know? Vietnam? Anyone know? Lesotho? Zambia? Okay, we don't know. But there's followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Why? Why? Because there are people who will be attracted to Krishna in those places. So here's Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami's dilemma. He was, he was living in Radhakund for 40 years. He'd been sent there by Lord Nityananda himself. So uh, he had a dream, a wonderful dream, in which he saw Balaram forward slash Lord Nityananda. And uh, the, Lord Balaram was dressed as a cowherd boy, and Nityananda was dressed as a cow, and it was all dreamish. And he had a red stick, beautiful flower garlands, with buzzing bees flying around, and he was surrounded by cowherd boys who were blowing bugles and playing flutes. And Now, if you had a dream like that, you'd be considering yourself very lucky. So in that dream, this very thunder-like voiced person said, Krishna Das, he mentioned his name, he said, Go to Vrindavan, for there you will attain all things. So then he woke up. Now, if you have a dream like that, you know where you've got to go. You don't know why or what you're going to do there. Now, Vrindavan at that time was a place that is completely covered in trees. Just imagine nothing of what you know to be Vrindavan actually existed. It was just trees, pretty much trees and the river Govardhan. It was so jungle-ish that uh, when Raghunath Das Goswami was living there just you know, a decade or two, prior to Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami going there, uh, we have the phenomenon of um, two tigers just stepping out of the nearby jungle to come and drink water at Radhakund. So that's how jungly it was. So that's why I think, I think, finish my sentence in a cupboard, one of the urgent requests of Rupa Goswami, he's saying, of Mathura. Mathura is a wonderful place because Krishna uh, did his pastimes there. Wonderful place. Govardhan because Krishna did his pastimes there. Even higher than this is Radhakund. So please everybody come to Radhakund, live there, sit on its banks. Uh, I'm just in my imagination, why would anyone want to come to the middle of a jungle? Because this is the epicenter of Radha Krishna consciousness. But it also needed a lot of people. As in Prabhupada's words, Prabhupada said, he said, I have given you the, I have given you the spirit, he's talking about Mayapur. He said, I've given you the spiritual world, now develop it. Which is a kind of paradox. How do you develop the spiritual world? If Mayapur is all transcendental, why are you building buildings there? Well, so that people can understand that it's a transcendental place. And this is the modus operandi behind Chaitanya Mahaprabhu asking his followers to not exactly develop Vrindavan, but to recover the lost holy places and establish places where people can come, where they can bow down to Krishna and they can listen to someone speak to them about Krishna. Otherwise, what have you got? You've got a bunch of people sort of aimlessly wandering around, looking into the jungle, seeing if there's going to be tigers. 
going to eat them or not. Have you ever seen a tiger up close? Really up close? You've got no chance. Really. I mean, I went, <laughs> I went on a safari in Chikmagalore in Karnataka to go and see tigers. We saw a buffalo. <laughs> There's no refund. <laughs> if you don't see tigers, you don't get your money back. So much better to go to uh, a, a zoo. They're really big and really ferocious and really sharp. They're perfectly made by Krishna for stalking, killing with their own bare hands and eating. You just don't stand a chance. So for Raghunath Das Goswami to be in that place, you know, really we needed more, we needed more people to come and live in Radhakund and more people to come and live in Vrindavan. So that's the history. For you to have a Vrindavan to go to, there had to be a heck of a lot of kings and very rich people building buildings so that you could shelter from the sun, from the rain, from the tigers, and from the ne'er-do-wells that always accompany pilgrims on their, uh, 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 on their pilgrimages. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur also had to, he had to free the streets up from crime. That was Bhaktivinoda Thakur's job in Vrindavan. Okay. So he took on the business of a mayor to free the streets of crime. Oh, that's a good idea, isn't it? I wonder if there's another mayor that could do with a Bhaktivinoda Thakur-like figure. Hmm, what would that city be? London, maybe. When the streets are filled with crime, somebody's not doing their job. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur had to come with a gentle Vaishnav demeanor, but engage people that had big rifles. Do you know this? You have to have a big rifle to chase away those people who have knives. So this is Bhaktivinoda. Bhaktivinoda was very successful. He was very successful in driving away even the king of Puri, who was creaming off the top of the collection box from all the residents who would come, all the visitors to the temple. He was very, very successful, even though the king got 21 Brahmins to do a fire yagya, a black magic fire yagya, to kill Bhaktivinoda Thakura. This is the king, this is the best Brahmins that they had to try to kill him. You see? So sometimes there's opposition, but the opposition just makes it a little bit more tasty, a little bit, a little bit of chutney. So opposition, uh, controversy, political intrigue, just for you to be sitting in this place right now with a big hall that's successfully been uh, put up here. Uh, it took 15 years of political fighting, legal fighting, fun fundraising from reluctant donors. is a heck of a struggle. The history of Krishna consciousness is just one of struggle. Don't think you're ever going to have a peaceful life being involved with Krishna consciousness. Okay, take that thought, tweeze it out, take it and put it in the rubbish because it's going to be personal struggle, political struggle, financial struggle and legal struggle. Okay, is that it? End of class. That's all you need to know. One struggle after another. As soon as you've got through one struggle, you know, we think that youth is sometimes a time of struggle. Okay? Finally, I could just curb, curb my lust, then my, my youthful lust, then I'll be a successful Vaishnava. Then the hankering for fame comes, then the hankering for money, then the hankering for protection, giving security to others, which, by the way, you have created in this world. 
And then the hankering for leaving a legacy. These are all hankerings that come along with different stages of bodily growth, maintenance, dwindling, and death. <laughs> and then when you die, you still got hankering. Because you're looking down on your body and you're looking down on everybody who's weeping for you and you're thinking, you know what? I wish I'd been more of a devotee. I wish I'd done more. I wish I'd followed my spiritual master more. We have many recorded interviews with devotees, uh, you know, sort of a few days before they pass away. And they're saying, they, they don't say, I wish I'd spent more time on a beach. I wish I'd spent more time in the office. <laughs> they say, I wish I'd been more of a disciple. That's what they say. I wish I'd done more for my guru. These are the last, last laments. So Krishna Raskaviraj Goswami, he has a struggle going on, a real big struggle. Because on the one hand, he's saying, I don't have, I don't have, I'm not even sure if I'm going to make it. I'm not even sure if I'm going to finish this book. You see? Jai Shishirada Gokulananda Sitaram Lakshmananaman Shishigurata. He's saying, I'm not even sure if I'm going to... Sorry, I haven't even read the verses out to you. He said, I'm not even sure whether I'm going to read this, finish this book. Why did he need to write the book in the first place? There was already the Chaitanya Bhagavat that was written by Vrindavan Das Thakur. There was always the Chaitanya Mangala written by... Help me. Huh? Lochan Das Thakur. Already the Chaitanya Mangala. Uh, but uh, Chaitanya Bhagavat dealt with uh, the early pastimes of Lord Chaitanya. And the Chaitanya Mangala was a, a briefer study. But there was a big controversy going on at the time. Don't forget, Lord Chaitanya passed away in 1534. Okay, 1534. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami only wrote the Chaitanya Charitamrita, finished it in 1616. That's 70 years 80 years, 86 years later, 80, 80 years later. And so what's going on at that time? Well, the movement is growing, but da, 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 the controversies are growing because you have no internet. That was the problem in India in those days. No lithium batteries and no internet. The World Wide Web had not been created. Of course, that doesn't help us with controversies, does it? It just promotes them. But the devotees in Bengal and the devotees in Orissa and the devotees in Vrindavan had slightly different philosophies. Slightly different philosophies. We don't talk about it now, but the reason we don't talk about it is because it was all blended together in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So the philosophy we say is the Krishna consciousness philosophy. See, philosophy doesn't mean that you have a radically different idea it's always Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. But it may be a different emphasis you give to ritual, different emphasis you give to Harinam, different emphasis you give to study. Hmm? Things that you might wear, things of the culture, that, you know, the, the different... Chintya Beda Beda Tattva, we had to wait until really Jiva Goswami writing his Shachandarvas in order to have a really detailed explanation of a Chintya Beda Beda Tattva. So there's plenty, plenty of room for scope for getting different opinions philosophically 
and that's what was happening. So they had to, eventually they had Keturi, which was a big, um, you know, like a, a big festival, and Naratam Das Thakur arranged, and they all came together, and the, the, the lumps and the bumps were smoothed out. They put the philosophy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through a, a blender and sort of made sure the lumps and bumps didn't go. So that's what, that's what we get delivered to us. But the difficulty was, you see, that a lot of devotees were Bengali. You say that to devotees now, and they think, really? Really? Chaitanya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement was Bengali? I wonder why. <laughs> I thought it was all English and American and maybe a few French people. No. And this is, of course, a cause of controversy in our movement at the moment because we have a lot of governing body members who are Americans. And that's not good for the Russians, is it, Nelly and Max? It's not good. Not good because they want more Russian, more Russians, because Russians would definitely sort out ISKCON. And then you see the Japanese people, they say, well, why, you know, Prabhupada was going to go to Japan first. Why isn't there a Japanese GBC member? Why are there no Japanese gurus? We want Japanese gurus. Okay? And then the people of India say, well, ISKCON is collapsing in different parts of the world. It's not doing very well in America. We have 200 temples here. The movement is just surging forward. We have politicians. We have beautiful marble temples, everything. Perhaps there should be some more Indian people on the governing body. Then things would really happen. And he's smiling at the back there. He's going, yes, that was my thought too. <laughs> They've understood properly. Jay Bharat. <laughs> so, then, uh, so then we have a difficulty. So <coughs> there's some ascendancy uh, issues, some legacy issues, some succession issues. But they're not really issues in one sense. And then, then we have um, philosophical concerns, theological concerns. Okay. Luckily for us, we can you know hit the keyboard and we can gather together and we can have discussions. And luckily for us, Chaitanya Charitamrita was was written, and uh, it goes into detail, and then details on those details, and then details about details of details. So you get a lot here, and you get a lot in nectar of devotion, such that you don't really have to do a great deal of thinking. In this generation, our job is to take and to distribute. And that causes another problem, and that devotees don't read the books. We sell them in great quantities, we don't read them. This is a big problem. It was a big problem in Prabhupada's time as well. He said, my books are not just for selling. You know, novel idea. My books are for reading. It's a book. It's meant for reading. The difficult, we have two problems now. One is that devotees don't read books themselves. And because they don't read books, they don't expect anybody else to read them. But somehow or another, these books are transcendental seeds which will somehow grow into a new movement. Well, you would be surprised how many books we have out there just in the United Kingdom. Have a guess. We've just celebrated 50 years since 1969, which is pretty much the beginning of our movement. You can include a few months before that in 1968. How many books do you think we've distributed since 1969? Huh? Very good. Any advance on 5 million? Huh? 17 million? Any advance on 17 million? It's going. 
I'm going to sell you the future of the Krishna consciousness movement to the highest bidder. Pranabhava? Huh? 40 million. That's outrageous. That's, that's far too high. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. Let's keep going. 40 million books since 1969. How many? Ladies, come on. Uh, 50 million. Someone says 50 million. That's ridiculous. Okay, that's ridiculous. The actual figure, thank you very much though. Right. The actual figure is near on just under or just over 70 million. That's more than one book for every man, woman and child in the country. Okay. Now, if every single person had read one of those books and responded to the message therein, we would have a much bigger movement. But the movement sort of stays the same size. How is that? How is that? People come in and they go out. So Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami has a problem here. And it's the same strategic problem. First he's trying to do something which is spiritual. But spiritual has to translate into action, into practical strategies. Just like the whole of the Bhagavad Gita was spoken. We get the spiritual part. We get the philosophy. But after that, there's this 18 days part, which is verses and verses and verses of the Mahabharata, where there's fighting going on. There was a battle. And pretty much Krishna's philosophy in the Bhagavad Gita is so that the battle could begin. Because Arjuna, the chief hero of the Pandavas, he didn't even want to begin. So we have to begin. But we don't get that part. We get the philosophy part. We don't get the battle. Has anybody in this room read what happens after the Bhagavad Gita has been spoken? And I'm not just talking about seeing it on Channel 9, on India TV. Okay. Who's actually read it? Okay. You've read it. Go to the top of the class. <laughs> Ladies, anybody read it? What happens? You've read it. Okay, good. <coughs> there was a big battle. The battle is no less important than the Bhagavad Gita. Because that's what Krishna wanted to happen. It's practical action. It's not just philosophy. It's philosophy put into action. Okay? So in the same way, Krishna has Kaviraj, he's writing the Chaitanya Charitamrita for some practical action to take place. But practically speaking, he's wondering if he's ever going to do it. Because he's saying, my hands are shaky. I'm over 90. Over 90 years old. I'm practically blind. I'm ill-advised. Not everybody wants me to write this book. And now I've got critics telling me that if I write this book and I put Sanskrit into this book, then none of the followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are going to read it. But what shall I do? Still, I carry on writing. Still, I carry on writing. And that's the book that we have in our hands today. So let's read a few verses, shall we? Okay. So verse 87 Verse 86, he says, In this Chaitanya Charita Amrita, there is no contradictory conclusion, nor is anybody else's opinion accepted. I have written this book to describe the simple substance, as I've heard it, from superiors. If I become involved in someone's likes and dislikes, I can't possibly write the truth. So he's heard these beautiful, what was it called? Karyacha. This Kariyacha. Any Bengali speakers? She's not here today. This Kariyacha. 
These were Sanskrit verses giving the summary study of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life, given by his closest friend, Swarup Damodar Goswami, to Swarup Damodar's disciple, Raghunath Das Goswami, who was living at Radhakund. Raghunath Das Goswami, in keeping with the modus operandi of the day, took his guru's Sanskrit verses, learned them off by heart, and then he taught them to Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. So Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is saying, first of all, this book is not about anybody's likes and dislikes. If I get into that, there's never going to be a Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is just what I've heard from my superiors. Okay. However, one thing that does come into Chaitanya Charitamrita is the verses of Rupa Goswami. Now, sometimes the verses that Rupa Goswami wrote uh, after hearing from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he wrote them in another book, and we find those verses in Chaitanya, Chaitanya Charitamrita. In other words, it's sort of from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Rupa Goswami and, and back. But that's Parampara. So then in this verse, uh, this is, uh, they've given me the 93 verse to do. I already given in codes all the facts and figures of Lord Chaitanya's pastimes. And I have a desire to describe them elaborately. So in the first part of Chaitanya Charitamrita, he's saying, I've given, you know, if I don't make it to the end of this book, I've at least given the summary study. And Prabhupada also did that. He had two heart attacks. And then he said, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of the Srimad Bhagavatam. I don't know if I'm going to make it to the end of the translation. But I do want to give my disciples the tenth canto. Because if they misunderstand the tenth canto, then it's curtains for their spiritual life. If they hear it from me, then they'll be nourished. So he gave us the tenth canto with a commentary in the form of prose, not broken into verses, but taking the verses and giving the content. And that was the Krishna book that came out uh seventy, nineteen seventy was it? So he <coughs> he did that <coughs> fearing that he wouldn't make it to the end of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And of course, as we know, Prabhupada um, uh, left this world on the, uh, he'd concluded the 13th chapter, the 13th chapter of the 10th canto, stealing of the boys and cows, calves from, by Brahma. And so we're very fortunate that um, Prabhupada translated the Krishna book. I cannot imagine a Hare Krishna movement without the Krishna book. Give me a, give me a, uh, uh, put your hand up in the air. Uh, if during the 2019, well, no, not for no reason, sir. But, uh, but very good. I like your enthusiasm. Put your hands up if in 2019 you have read a portion of the Krishna book. Oh my God. So men reading Krishna book, ladies, not so much. Okay. Any reason you're working on other books? Put your hand up if you have distributed a Krishna book but not read it. Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. So let me tell you what a book is. Let's go back to basics. A book is paper that's printed with words. You open it. You may sell it if you like, or you may do this revolutionary thing. It's called Reading it. And that's what the Krishna book is meant for. Meant for reading. So anyway. 
So he's saying, I've done the early, I've done these pastimes. I may make it to the end. I'll try and describe them more elaborately. Then he says, and this is unusual, isn't it? We get a window into life in 1616. It's not many books that you ever get to read, or I ever get to read, that were written in 1616, except maybe Shakespeare. Shakespeare was around the time of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Yeah. So he's, he's writing. And, um, you know, the thing is, it's, it's controversial writing in Bengali for a person who's a, uh, uh, supposedly a, a Brahmin. I say supposedly a Brahmin. He was a, he was from the Kayasta background. So they didn't trouble him, but they did trouble Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur was a Brahmin. Uh, he was writing in Bengali. He was writing at Radhakund. And the Brahmins at that time who had gathered in Vrindavan, this is interesting. First, no one wanted to go there. Then the Goswamis went there and established something. Lokanath Goswami first. Lokanath Goswami. Lokanath Goswami first. You know? The six Goswamis. And then later on, Raghunath Das Goswami. Uh, he was later than Jiva Goswami. And then Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. So they're making Vrindavan popular. This is another phenomenon. When you make something popular, you get a different kind of guy who wants to be involved than when it wasn't popular. You know this? You know the bell curve? The early adopters and the late adopters. And the early adopters come and they can see a trend before it happens. Or they are the trend. They make it trendy. So there's a person who wears a certain type of shoe. And because he's a trendsetter, you know, and he, people, people look at him and they think, oh yeah, you know, maybe that's something that I could do. Everybody's wearing a striped shirt this season. It's interesting, isn't it? I, during time when we couldn't pay the electricity for this place and we couldn't pay the water bills, uh, we had to make more money than distributing books. Um, so our motto was, if you ever get books, print money. <laughs> or something like that. Isn't it something like that? I can't remember. <laughs> we had one devotee who took that quite literally, actually. He got that. He, we had, a, we had a printing press out here. Unfortunately, he thought, wouldn't it be a good idea to print fivers? So at night, he was very devotedly printing, and we thought, well, it's such a, such, so dedicated to Prabhupada. It's printing, you know, it's printing. We were printing the, uh, the Swahili Ishapanishad was being printed where we now have the, um, uh, the shop. The shop was a printing press. So we were printing the Swahili uh, Ishapanishad, which I, I was personally very happy because it was helping our preaching work in Africa. But there was a little nighttime activity. And I'd look over, still see the lights still on. I think, God, so devoted. <laughs> He's printing fivers. Unfortunately, he chose the wrong paper. And he was uh, quite quickly. They, they looked good, but when you felt them, <laughs> anyone could see it was the Bank of Toy Town. So unfortunately, it, was, it didn't end up so well. So if you ever get books, print money. That's not a good... If you ever get money, print books, print books yes. So um, so uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur was... Uh, they were going to physically attack him, the so-called Brahmins, who were the next stage of people coming to Vrindavan. They were very smarter-ish and very ritualistic, and they didn't like simple devotion. 
they were very much interested in, if you if you can say, sort of penalizing people who took to simple devotion without um, Sanskrit education, because there was a hierarchy. You see, just like people in this country, they're not. Um, many years ago, they just they just didn't like it that devotees were the um, becoming popular. It's a problem, becoming popular. It's a good job that we're not popular, because if you were popular, if ISKCON was popular, we'd have a lot more problems. So at the moment, we're flying under the radar. When you get popular, that's when politicians start trying to uh, repress. And uh, there's a connection between the, uh, the, the politicians and the judiciary, and you start having legal problems that you never had before. So we already came through 15 years of, 15, 20 years of um, struggle to keep Back to Vedanta Manor on the map. And it is literally on the map now. It's stopped being Piggott's Manor. It is now Back to Vedanta Manor on any ordnance survey map of this country. So we are here and we are here to stay, but it didn't come without a struggle which I was telling you about before. So Vishwanath Chakravarti Tagora, he was still writing in Bengali and they wanted to kill him for uh, becoming such a prominent leader but writing in the Bengali language. So they sent two or three thugs to deal with him and they knew where he lived. <laughs> I know where you live. We know where you live. And they sent them to deal with him. And uh, in those days it was quite quite vicious, almost like these days, you know, my uh my um my uh, uh my second cousin was uh, shot and killed on christmas day on the doorstep of his house second cousin we don't quite know the ins and outs we quite we don't, we don't know why but it was a it was a hit job many years ago not the recent one but it goes on all the time if a certain number of people don't like you, it only takes, what, about 10,000 pounds, and they can make it look like an accident. Getting shot on your doorstep isn't an accident. It doesn't look like an accident. It's a, it sends out a message. But easily people can cut brake cables. They can do anything. It just just looks like an accident. And that's uh, if you've got enough money. So when Brahmins are very powerful and they don't like other people who are capitalizing on um, donations or influence or fame, they can also uh, become uh, 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 evil enough to do away with someone. So they wanted to do away. Just like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, they wanted to do away with him because he was initiating non-Brahmins. He was giving Gayatri Mantra to non-Brahmins, something that we don't even have to worry about. We don't even think about it. We just say, oh, you're going to get your Gayatri. I'm going for second initiation. I'm going to get your Gayatri. No one asks you who your mother was, who your father was. You know, If in an ISKCON temple someone says to you, second initiation, pah! What sort of family do you come from? Who was your mother? Who was your father? Who were your grandparents? You know, Who were your grandparents? We don't, we don't have that sort of thing to deal with. Okay? But they did. So they wanted to kill Bhaktisiddhanta. And it's not that they... Uh, so one of his disciples had to dress up as Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati 
They, they change clothes in an alleyway. This disciple put on the sannyasi clothes and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati put on his clothes and was able to make a getaway. But they were pelting the devotees with stones. And that may not sound right, but have you ever been pelted with stones? You ever been pelted with stones? I was once. I was on uh, the Shankill Road. I will always remember Shankill Road in Belfast. And we'd just done Harinam for the very first time. Harinam up the Falls Road, which is Catholic. And we were coming back down the Shankill Road, which is Protestant. And with British number plates, we should have been okay. But they just they just throw stones at anything, the teenagers. Are, so we were pelted with stones. And it hurt. And I went to Derry. London Derry forward slash Derry. I went to Derry. And uh, we were pelted with stones there. Until we got to the, um, uh, the youth club, which is an IRA youth club, where all the IRA leaders were looking after the kids. And they, they said, don't do that now. Stop it. These people, good people. <laughs> so uh, we had British number plates. That was a problem. British number plates in Derry at that time. It was 1976. And we'd only just had the, uh, the uh, what's it called, the uh, January, the Bloody Sunday. So anybody British would get pelted. So it hurts to get pelted by stones. It just takes three or four stones to, to you know, to uh, sustain injuries. So Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was attacked and his followers were, were beaten with uh, pieces of wood, big logs. They came out like lattes. You know, lati charge. Very traditional in India. You come out, lati charge. So they came out. They weren't police. They were just people who didn't like the fact that these were non-Brahmins who'd been initiated by Bhakti Siddhanta, who were growing in power, growing in influence, and they came and they pelted them. There was a time in England when they didn't like how we dressed. In Ireland, they didn't like how we dressed because the judge in court, the magistrate said, he said, I'm fining you for creating an obstacle in public and I'm fining you for how you are dressed. He said, no decent man should go out dressed like this with orange robes. It's an affront to... So we were fined for dressing in dhotis. Okay. So anyway, in, in, uh, uh, the, the, <coughs> the police would um, chase us every time for doing Harinam on Oxford Street. There was a time when it was. There was a time when it was famous, you know, along with the Beatles, and it was an oddity. But then they saw when we were here to stay, they uh, they said, "Well, we don't want you here to stay. We don't. We don't want this as a Christian country." And now we've sort of flipped the other way. But that's another subject for another class. So, um, Bhakti Siddhanta. So. Anyway, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur was, uh, he was attacked by these thugs. But when the thugs reached the spot, all they saw was a, a little girl who was sitting in the middle of this bush. And he said, did you see the Thakur? I said, no, I didn't see him. <laughs> so Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur had assumed his spiritual identity as a manjari. And he was just sitting there. And so they went away. But we are fighting, folks. We are fighting. So Chaitanya Charitamrita came to us with a great deal of fight. 
great deal of fight. And then again, a great deal of fight as Prabhupada translated it. You will have read the story of the great fight to not only translate but illustrate and publish uh, uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita. So we have a fight on our hands. It's, a, it's an intellectual fight, first of all. Then it's a literary fight. Then it is a, uh, what, what other sort of fight? <laughs> it's a physical fight. Uh, um, Krishnadas is wondering whether he'll actually make it to the end of the book. He's saying, my eyes and my hands are shaking. I don't know, but let's see how we go. So anything good is born of a struggle. So if you're struggling in your spiritual life right now, that's good. That's good. Hooray! Put your hand up if you're struggling in your spiritual life. Yes! That's it. It's happening. You're struggling. Without struggle, all you're doing is catching up to where you were in your last life. And that's easy. To catch up to where you were in your last life as a practicing devotee, that's kind of easy. Okay? But the struggle begins when you try to become purified. You know, if you if you reached, you know, eight percent or thirty-eight percent purity in your last life, now it's thirty-nine percent purity, buddy, and you have to work on that. And that's a struggle. So you'll need all the help that you can get. So let's read a little bit more. He says, In this chapter, I have to some extent described the essence of the pastimes of Lord Chaitanya at the end. If I die in the meantime and cannot describe them in detail, at least the devotees will have this transcendental treasure. So what he does, he translates Swarup Dambadar's Sanskrit Karyacha, given to Raghunath Das Goswami, and Raghunath Das gives to him. So he puts that in. So at least they've got that. So then... In this chapter, I've briefly described the codes. Whatever I've not described, I shall describe extensively in the future. If, by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mercy, I live for so many days, he's counting it in days, that I can fulfill my desires, I will give full consideration to these pastimes. You see, this Chaitanya Charitamrita needed to be written. It needed to be written. We, the devotees of the future and the devotees then, needed that book. People were asking him to write that book, this book. And so he goes before Madan Mohan and he prays for a blessing. And a garland falls from Madan Mohan and it falls on him. And he takes that as a blessing that I am meant to, to write this book, you see. There's always a gap in people's knowledge. There's always a gap. Even now, there's so many gaps. There's a tremendous gaps. There's, and there, there are so many gaps now that in 50 years' time, when the devotees of the future ISKCON look back at 2020, they will think to themselves, they didn't even have that then. They didn't even have this, what we have now. They didn't have then. Can you imagine? They didn't even have a... There was a 100 towns in the country... And they only had temples in 17 of them. And devotees of the future will look at each other and they'll say, what did they do? <laughs> and the devotees of the future will say, well, they just distributed books and they didn't even know if people read them or not. And devotees will go, wow. They had so much faith. 
I said, yes, but even if people did read the books and visited the temple once, they didn't even take their name and address to follow them up and give them some pastoral care to make them into devotees. And so the devotees of the future will say, well, what did they think was going to happen? People were just going to read a book and become a devotee just by reading it? I said, they had such, they had such, they had such great faith in the books, Prabhu. Okay. I'm sorry. But there are strategic and tactical gaps in our, in our, in our structure that do need to be filled. If we don't fill them, we'll just carry on losing devotees. So this is Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. It's 1616. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has passed away 80 years previously. Okay. So he's still thinking. He's still thinking. We have to get this message out. It's Bengali, but we have to get it out to the main people, the main Sanskrit people. That's why some of our devotees have started this Oxford Center for Hindu Studies. Oxford Center for Hindu Studies is a very, very, very lifelong process for having devotees of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu occupy the main positions in universities wherever Krishna Bhakti, Krishna uh, 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 is talked of, Krishna Bhakti is talked of, the Shastras and the great saints. That was the, and it's taken 20 years to get to this point, but we have, you know, seven or eight devotees in very key positions. Chaitanya Charitamrita, the expert on Chaitanya Charitamrita. There is such a thing. It was always, what was his name? Tony Stewart. Edward Dimmock, and then his disciple, Tony Stewart. I've met Tony Stewart. Nice people, but they don't share the purports that we do. They don't share the conclusions that we do. Certainly Dimmock didn't. Tony Stewart is a little bit, little bit more, but uh, we have people, and he's looking for his successor. No, who's his successor? The only people he can find that are vaguely interested in Chaitanya Charitamrita will be people from our quarter. And so then we have a different spin on it. Who's the expert on Kavi Karnapur? That's one of our devotees. Who's the expert on Bhaktivinoda Thakur? I met Bhaktivinoda Thakur's great-granddaughter. Bhaktivinoda Thakur's great-granddaughter. You know what she said? She said, thank you very much for keeping the work of my great-grandfather alive. Thank you for singing his songs and keeping his songs alive. Because who else is doing it? So we're continuing a, a great legacy. But unless there are devotees in the future to continue that legacy, there will be, there will be difficulties at some point in the future. So the, the job of this generation is to create as many devotees as possible. And I say this every time they, they make the mistake of wheeling me in to give me the opportunity to, to give a class. You can't just distribute books. You have to think about those books being the actual seeds that Prabhupada talked about. You have to think who's going to cultivate those seeds. And therefore the cultivation is equally important. Is it equally important? Well, what did Prabhupada say to Tribhuvanath? Tribhuvanath, by whose grace I'm sitting here, and many, many of us got to sit here, was a person who took that message seriously. Go out and start festivals and bring people and make devotees. That was his sort of thing. You know, when Jiva Goswami, when Jiva Goswami created the Vishwavaishnavaraj Sabha, it was an organization. It was the very first ISKCON, the very first Gaudiya Mat. 
And there were different divisions. There were six different divisions of activities, six Goswamis and six different divisions of activities because they wanted to establish six different things in this world. So there was publishing, or really writing, copying, dissemination, philosophical integrity. There was deity worship. There was Vaishnav culture. There was singing and kirtan. And all these things had a, a sort of chain of devotees that, that looked after it so that it would be preserved on into the future. So there are many different aspects to Prabhupada's ISKCON that need to be established. So then um, Tribhuvanath was doing festivals as the early 70s and, uh, you know, the, the book distribution, as we talk about it now, you know, the Christmas marathon, Prabhupada's marathon, winter marathon, you know, we... With the way we, the way you're doing it now, the way we did it yesterday, it's just the same way that we did it 50 years ago, folks. The very first marathon was in, my first marathon was in 74, and it was three days. And it was a new idea. It was a new idea that had come in from America, where their devotees had spent three days at Christmas time distributing books. So we thought, okay, we could do that too. And we did very well. And then, of course, you know, next year was a week and two weeks. And, on and on until we have what we have today. So um, the big Krishna books had come in and what's now the theater was filled up with Krishna books. So we didn't have champions for that. We'd heard that devotees in America could go out and distribute these whopping great books. How are you going to distribute that? We're just giving these out. You can't even take a few on your back. It's so heavy. Okay, how are you going to do it? Oh, yeah. So then uh, we were trying to figure out what do you do with a, a room full of books at Bhakti Vedanta Manor. So then Prabhupada came and Tribhuvanath um, said to him, he said, Prabhupada, um, uh, you like festivals and you like book distribution. Should we give up festivals in order to do book distribution? And Prabhupada very urgently looked at him and he said, no. He said, everything side by side. Everything side by side. The whole point here, folks, is that to become a devotee requires a lot of effort. What did Prabhupada say? Gallons of blood. Gallons of blood to make one devotee. Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur was standing on top of a roof with one of his disciples, and his disciple was pointing to a, a, a young man that was coming in on the Harinam party, and he said, Guru Maharaj, look, see this, see this person here. He's going to make a very good devotee. He's a very, very good devotee. And he, he looked at him and he said, he said, uh, uh, he said, um, make sure the grain reaches the go down. He said, many things can happen in between the, the, the plucking of the grain from the field and the go down. In other words, don't count a person as a devotee before they're living in the temple fully trained and initiated. That's what you start measuring. Now, it just may be happening that um, we like to count initiated devotees because it, it means there's a, a clear sort of cut-off point. It would be nice if once a person was initiated, they never left Krishna consciousness. That would be really good. But they do. So we have to put as much emphasis on keeping devotees as we do on making them. Second emphasis, we have to put as much emphasis on people who are not initiated because you know what? It's like a triangle. The initiated devotees are the top of the triangle and others are at the base of the triangle propping it all up. Now the thing there is that we will in our life have to be responsible for many 
hundreds of others who may never be initiated. These days I'm meeting people. Somebody wrote me a letter just the other day. He said, I want to be initiated. Uh, he has been chanting Hare Krishna for 20 years. Another person took initiation recently. Been chanting for 22 years. Now, if you're initiated and you just walked in the door and you sort of moved into the temple and you, you know, within a year or two, you um, became initiated, then that's your good fortune. That's your good fortune. But not everybody is like that. In fact, 98% of people aren't like that. So are they part of the Krishna consciousness movement? Yes, they are. Whose job is it to look after them? Well, not mine. Not mine. Is it yours? No. Is it yours, is it yours Sham? Not, not your job, is it? Chaitanya Balabha is not really your job. And Sitapa is not your job. Radha Govinda, maybe. Maybe a few. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe a few people from, you know, Milton Keynes and Aylesbury and St. Albans, maybe. But there's a huge Hare Krishna movement that actually exists. And in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, one purport Prabhupada says, the future devotees of our Krishna consciousness movement are already living. It is the duty of the present members simply to go and find them. I'll leave you with that thought. So finally, finally, we get to the verse. Okay, we can save it for next time. Chota Badabhaktagan, Bandan Sabar Shicharan, Sabi Mori Karaha Santosh, Sarupa Gosair Matta, Rupa Raghunath Jani Hayatta, Tai Liki Nahi Mora Dosh. I worship here with the lotus feet of all kinds of devotees, is very important, both advanced and neophyte. I request all of them to be satisfied with me. I'm faultless because I've written herein whatever I've understood from Sarup Damodar Goswami and Rupa and Raghunath Das Goswamis. I've neither added nor subtracted from their version. Okay. According to Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, there are three kinds of devotees. It's a purport now. So everybody sit up. Listen very carefully. Bhajan Vigya, experts in devotional service. Bhajan Shila, devotees engaged in devotional service. And Krishna Nami Dikshita Krishna Namakari, initiated devotees engaged in chanting. The author of Chaitanya Charitamrita begs the mercy of all these devotees and asks them to be pleased with him. He says, Let the neophyte devotees, the devotees who are very expert in arguing, though they have no sense of advanced devotional service, who think themselves very advanced because they initiate some smarter Brahmin, let those devotees not be displeased with me. Even those, let those not be displeased with me. Thinking that I have committed errors in this regard, I beg their pardon with great humility, but I am submitting that I personally have no desire to add or subtract anything. I've only written what I've heard in the disciplic succession because I'm dedicated to the lotus feet of previous acharyas, like Swarupa Damodar, Raghunath Das Goswami, and Rupa Goswami. I've only written what I've learned from them. So he's saying, please don't be angry with me. This is my, you know, this is the last book that I'll ever write. The last book that you ever write, as they call it, is your magnum opus. 
Your magnum opus is usually the one in which you put everything. So in this book, he puts everything, but perhaps not in a way that others, the smarter Brahmins, are going to be pleased with him. There's not perhaps enough you know, Sanskrit for them because he'll never please them because he's writing mostly in Bengali. And for the Bengalis, they may not be pleased because there's too much Sanskrit. And besides, he may not reach to the end of the book. But everybody, please, I need all the devotees to give me your blessings because without your blessings, I'll never do this. I'll never get to the end. My eyes can't see. My hands are shaky. But I'm just trying my best. So that's these verses. Any any points? We've got two, three minutes before we move on. Uh, yes, Mataji? Oh, sorry. It was an imaginary Mataji. At Hokshija. <laughs> a wry smile playing on your face uh, how's that working how did that work when devotees didn't think about their own sadhana but selflessly gave the opportunity for sadhana to others what does Prabhupada say if you don't read my books you will eat sleep and simply fall down our 1976 marathon I wish I could sort of, sort of put you in a TARDIS right now you know, with along, come with me. I'll be Doctor Who. We'll go on a, we'll go on a magical machine to take you back to 1976. That was a marathon. The 1976 marathon was, was the thing that dreams are made of. It was a marathon under the ground. We were on the tubes. Those tubes became our streets. Thousands and thousands of people, captive audiences. We would go onto a train and make an announcement and go around with a bucket. It was just thousands and thousands and thousands of books went out on the train. Magical. And at the end of the day, we'd have nostrils ringed. We would be coughing up smoke. <laughs> we, was, we got so excited that we would step from one train to the other into space. At the end of the carriage, you open up the door, then you have to open up the other door, and there's a moment there where you're in space, you're hanging in space. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yes, it was it was a, a, a magical time. So I wish that you you could have experienced that. But um, in saying that, oh yes, I know why I said that. Because during that marathon, uh, our temple president in um, uh, Berry Place, it was at that time, he wrote to Prabhupada and he said, "How can we uh, always remain devotees?" How can we always remain devotees? So he never forgot the letter that Prabhupada sent him back. Prabhupada said the usual things, chant, chant your rounds, follow the regulated principles, be engaged in service constantly. He said, and scrutinizingly, scrutinizingly study my books. So that was read out to us, I think, three times during that marathon because it was like a live letter. thing is, when you got a letter from Prabhupada, it was read out to the, all of the devotees as a sort of, you know, Prabhupada said this just a week ago. The interesting thing, people, and I must conclude in this, is that every three months, every four months, at least every six months, Prabhupada said something in one of those letters that was sent to all the temples that changed the way we did things completely. So over the last, 
How many years has it been now since 1977? Huh? 42 years, yeah. 42 years. We haven't had one of those live letters from Prabhupada. We haven't had it. And yet the movement has grown in leaps and bounds. And part of me just thinks, yes, there is an urgency to preserve what Prabhupada already told us because he said everything is in my books. And yet, at the same time, wouldn't it be nice if someone was to walk into this room and say, there's a letter from Prabhupada. He's just written a letter a week ago. This is what he wants the movement to do right now. And it begins as follows. My dear boys and girls. Wouldn't you like a letter like that? So those letters came once every, say, four, four months or something, a couple of times a year. And uh, it was like a big shake-up. It was like, oh, we thought that Prabhupada wanted this. Now Prabhupada wants this. And it was always something that would take the movement forward. And some of the things that we now do, because we know Prabhupada wants, weren't the things that we knew Prabhupada wanted until he said what he wanted. So I'm just I'm just wondering if Prabhupada would have said um, other things addressing himself because he always did two things he always addressed himself to the state of the devotees as he saw them as he was going around and to the state of the movement and he would he would say I'm sure there's some corrections that we that we need so please be aware of that and please be aware that there is a need for corrections but you may not get it in a letter from Prabhupada but that letter from Prabhupada so to speak, may come in the form of a devotee saying something to you. So always be willing, ready, and able to listen to correction when it comes to you from an external source. And in Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami is saying here, I want all the devotees to be pleased with me. All types of devotees to be pleased with me. Interestingly enough, Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur, in his commentary, in the late 1700s, to um, the ten offences. He's talking about the first offence, don't blaspheme the devotees. And in his purport to that, he says, don't think when you hear not to blaspheme the devotees of the Lord who have given up everything, this is just this type of devotee, the highest type of devotee. He said, you must understand that anyone who is chanting the Hare Krishna mantra has been accepted by Krishna. And so therefore, they fall within the scope of this apparat. So be very careful with all the devotees. But being careful with the devotee just doesn't mean I shouldn't offend them. The other side of the coin is maybe they've got something to tell me. Maybe they've got something to tell me. Maybe there's something that they've seen about me that I haven't noticed myself. In actual fact, I don't notice much about myself. So maybe I should ask others I shouldn't wait until they tell me something because they're exploding at me. Maybe I should go to them and they say, my dear Prabhu, my dear Mataji, it is 2020. It is a new year. I really, this year, I really need to become a pure devotee of Krishna. Could you help me? Have you ever noticed anything that I'm doing wrong? Please tell me. Wow. Could you imagine what would happen if we said that? Firstly, your, your, you know, your ego might suffer a little bit. But your spirit soul, well, he'd be quite happy. Spirit soul inside you, inside that ego would be going, yes, 
I'm hearing what I need to hear. It's tough. It's tough. It's sort of like a 12-step program for the soul. You know, you go to someone and you have to say, you know, I've made an inventory of my the, the bad things. Can you add to that? You know, here's here's some of the things that other people have been saying about me. Can you can you possibly add to that? See, because it's like it's like Jesus said, the the, the seed has to fall from the wheat onto the ground for it to then be born again and spread into new life. So it's almost like you have to be smashed, completely smashed, in order to then rise. If you don't want that process, then it's very difficult to be a disciple anyway. This is impossible. If you're so wrapped up in your own wonderfulness, and no one can ever tell you anything, then uh, you know who are you to t- who are you to tell me that I'm who are you who are you to tell me 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 I mean what is this everybody's trying to tell me who I should be no if that's your attitude then this movement is not for you and you'll leave quite shortly <laughs> the the mood should be is everybody is my superior. Everybody, please tell me something that I need to hear. I'm just giving class, okay? Don't don't all rush at once. <laughs> I may not be able to take it. Just one person, just form an orderly line after breakfast, please. Orderly line. Only five people. I'll take five people tomorrow. But that should be the attitude because that's the attitude that you would get if you were, if you were serving with Srila Prabhupada anyway. If you were part of that inner circle that was traveling around the world with Prabhupada or the, the Tamal Krishna Goswamis or the Satsrup Das Goswamis or the, those devotees who were serving very closely with Prabhupada, there's a lot of correction going on. A lot of correction. And so the only way that you can take that correction when the guru chooses to give it or the guru through his representative, which can be just any devotee <laughs> anywhere you go, uh, is if you're willing, if you're willing to receive it. Okay. Thanks for that. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, Madhuji? No. Uh, Vishramba. Oh, he took me, he took me seriously. It's coming now. <laughs> mm. Did everybody hear that? He's saying his spiritual master told him the mood to enter Vrindavan is to think of all the devotees more than you. Everyone is more than me, and I am less than everyone. Yeah. This is just before just before you misunderstand this. This is not a a simple um, uh, question of losing your self esteem or, or losing your self respect, because that is a psychological adjustment, which can easily be made in times of depression or negative emotional states. That's not what this is about. This is a highly positive adjustment, which is not psychological. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. 
which then has repercussions on your psychology. So you can't imagine yourself into the situation. You can just begin behaving as if it were true. And it begins, of course, with um, the very thing that has now become simply an acronym, PAMHO. PAMHO. Huh? We write that at the top of letters. Anyone knows what it means? <laughs> Anybody remember what it means? It means, please accept my humble obeisances. And in the old days, that's what devotees would do. They would come up with each other to, to each other and they'd say, please accept my humble obeisances. Yes, it was problematic for the knees. And as you can see, if you do it too much, you have to have a chair. You can't have one of those, one of those fancy seats over there, which would have made me look good. So now I have to sit in a little plastic chair, and it's okay. Yeah, he's a senior devotee, but they didn't even give them proper chair. <laughs> so I can wear your knees out. But the principle is bowing down to other devotees, and certainly devotees that you don't particularly like. It's easy to bow down to the ones that you like, isn't it? But bowing down to someone and listening to someone and listening to corrective suggestions from someone. <coughs> we don't want to do that. But if you do do it, it's part of the process of purification. It's very helpful. Ladies, anything? I haven't been ignoring you. All right. Breakfast is breakfast is served. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Krishna Kaviraj Goswami ki jai. Hari Krishna.